Hey, what's going on? It's Kevin Deers here. It's the Defiant Ones on the official Defiance Patreon page. I'm looking forward to this next weekend for Defy Dark Horse Shaft versus Eddie Kingston. He's going to be on that one, and as JR calls it, a slobber knocker. That's what that definitely will be. The man I'm about to interview here on the Defiant Ones will not be there, as it will be his wedding anniversary. So congratulations to Steve. And uh, Steve Miggs is the man we're talking to. And, and uh, in his place, we got Jack Farmer coming up from L.A. Uh, he was the one of the announcers, I believe, for the Defy L.A. show back a couple months back. And uh, Jack Farmer is, a, is a, a wrestling announcer and... He is going to be in ring on Saturday night, so everyone welcome him to Defy at Washington Hall. But uh, without any further ado, let's jump into my interview with Steve Miggs. We talk about radio, we talk about wrestling, we talk about music, and we talk about Defy especially. So let's jump into it. My interview with Steve Miggs here on The Defiant Ones. It is The Defiant Ones here on the Defy Patreon podcast, the Defiance Patreon podcast. This is two bald dudes in a room. Yes. <laughs> uh, we got Steve Miggs here, man. He is uh, He's the man on the mic for Defy. Uh, he's a man on the mic in the mornings on KISW. He's a hockey player. He's a wrestler. Yeah. He, there's so many. He's a dad. He's, yes. a, he's, he's a husband. What, a, you, might what hear else? The baby. you might hear the baby in the background. Yes. Oh, awesome. He's a drummer. Yes. Um, there's so many different things that that Steve has, and we're going to jump into a little bit of everything here. But uh, just before we jump in, Steve is kind of Steve. Uh, typically, uh, well, he would probably be home at this point, anyways. But yeah. uh, this week, he's uh, broadcasting live from home, and why is that? Well, I think am I the first on Defiant Ones to join you on the cast with COVID? Uh, I am uh, it's the first. Yeah, so that, you know, if I'm going to do this, yeah, I have to do it on another level. I know you've had some great guests before, but. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, what can I do to top them? I can join the pandemic and get there COVID. You, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Is I, I, that why you have the blanket above you? Like your 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 family is just like quarantining you. Off? Yes. They put me in this little fort. Uh, <laughs> they, feed I put you, a, they feed you food through a hole. <laughs> this way I don't touch them. I don't go yeah. near them. Uh, well, broadcasting uh, on BJM Migs, our morning show on KSW. Mm -hmm. uh, I just started this morning and I'm broadcasting. But this room that I'm in. It, all the rooms in my house, I don't really have like a ton of like books or shelves or like how like you have a great background right now. Like yeah. it probably deadens the sound of the room. Sure, so sure. without this blanket, the room would just be an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like a huge room, but it's just the windows and all that crap. So I think it was a, a radio guy from back in the day, Bob Rivers, when I was talking to him about his podcast, I was like, hey, everything just sounds studio quality. He's like, the trick was telling some of the guys that he does the podcast with when they're broadcasting to put like a, a sheet or a comforter over them. Nice. So it deadens the room. So I have a dude, it's so low budget. Behind me, <laughs> I love it. This is a mic stand that's propping up this blanket. And then I have duct taped it to the shelves, the bookshelf behind me. It's it's the most low budget production. But, you know, you do what you got to do so it doesn't sound like crap or it doesn't sound too crappy. Uh, and I figured, well, I might as well just contact you through this since it's already set up. Your daughter probably just thinks that you're playing uh, Fort with your friends. Dude, today, like she went in here and she was pumped. Like she climbed <laughs> yeah. in the chair and she was like looking and she kept going, wow. And I'm like, yep, this is my future. Forts, yeah, lots absolutely. of forts. Uh, and, you know, she's just about to turn two, which sucks because her birthday is this Sunday. And uh, we're going to have to push back her birthday party because yeah. of this uh, COVID nonsense. But uh, like I told you before we started this, uh, thankfully, the worst I've gotten. Uh, and I, 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 I mean, I'm luckily vaccinated and I feel like that definitely helped. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, just a really crappy head cold, like the sniffles a couple times throughout the day. But other than that, that that's been the, the only, um, symptoms that I, I would have never have known, yeah. uh, had I not just randomly just taken, I, I have, I take a lot of those, uh, rapid tests because sure. of wrestling and being mm -hmm. around a lot of people, I just peace of mind, even though I know they're not hundred percent, just some sense of peace of mind, even if I don't have symptoms before I go back into work to, okay, I'm not going in with anything. And this happened to be the time where, well, those rapid tests did tell me uh, uh, I came back positive and then actually did an actual went to a doctor and did all that. So I, here I am. No horse tranquilizers for you. None yet. Uh, you know, I've been I'm trying to catch up on my Joe Rogan podcast, you okay. know, another fellow ball broadcaster. Yes, and yes, maybe yes. get some tips on how to, how to properly handle this. <laughs> awesome. Well, we wish you a speedy recovery. You got this man and everyone send Migs uh, emojis of, of the guy with the, 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 a smiley face with a mask on. So everyone send Migs that emoji Perfect. and the, 
and the Instagram and whatnot, but we, you got this and uh, let's get into it, man. Um, so let's first off, uh, I, I was curious, like uh, you grew up in, in New Jersey or did you grow up in Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn. My parents are now in New Jersey. So like okay. my mom left kicking and screaming a couple of years ago, they were the last of the Brooklynites. You know, everyone from our family either went to Connecticut or New Jersey. And my mm-hmm. parents finally got like a, you know, moved into like one of those uh, retirement homes uh, yeah. developments. Uh, and now they're, now they're in New Jersey. So now as, as we, you know, can see that like, Brooklyn is kind of like a, a hipster Mecca, at least yeah. most of it, you know, with the vice magazine moved in and now there's like, it's super gentrified and hip and stuff back in the day. Was it a pretty rough neighborhood or what was it like when you were growing up? Um, yes, I guess. Cause when I tell stories to people, they did their, their, uh, their eyes kind of get a little bit buggy mm-hmm. and they're like, wait a second. That's that was, but when you're growing up, you don't think anything of it. So, sure. you know, I'm not going to like, try and exaggerate it but like you know like lots of times where like you'd hear gunfire outside of our house and it wasn't like on our block but it was like around the corner so like we lived in a pretty decent block i think because of the families that were there kind of kept everyone like you know it was a close-knit group that looked after each other it was definitely like one of those it takes a village type of uh, neighborhoods Mm -hmm. but like you go around the corner which was like flappish avenue and it was Mm -hmm. it wasn't it it was very crime ridden um And my, you know, my parents would be like, okay, you could go this direction. You could yep, go yep. to the right, but you can't go to the left. Cause you know, I mean, I, I've had people pull knives on me, like going to the mall, like a couple blocks from my house, trying to like mug me for a watch or a Padres cap. I'll never forget that. And wow. You know, okay. That, which was dumb. I like, actually was willing to get into a fight with a guy that had a knife because my brother bought me that hat. And that was like one of the first times, like he ever showed like affection towards me. I'm like, yeah. I'm not giving up this hat. I'm willing to be stabbed over this. Hat. Uh, fortunately, like other people, it was again, like takes a village. Some people just jumped in and luckily um, I avoided a disaster over a stupid baseball cap. Yeah. Um, but you know, there were some parts of it's, it's weird. When I went back home with my wife, we went to go see the hold steady uh, play in yeah, Williamsburg. Yeah. And it was just like, this was not, you know, it's kind of like, um, uh, they call it now Lake, like Lake Union, but remember by our old radio station? Oh yeah, like that area was kind of sketch when we, like, when I first moved out here, and it was like, you know, you, I'd go in the mornings and walk to work, and I was like, okay, you have to kind of keep your head on a swivel. Yep. But then all of a sudden, like nowadays, like you go there, it's all like three million dollar condos and skyscrapers, and yeah. And it was like that in Brooklyn, like you know, I'd go back home and you go see some places where you were like, I wouldn't want to like really walk around here at night by myself. Mm-hmm. And now you're walking around, you're like, this is just like a, like, like you said, a hipster hotbed. And it's, yeah. and you know, it's crazy though. I mean, cause that's not what I, that, that wasn't the Brooklyn I remembered. And I moved out, like I moved to Seattle in 97. So, yeah. you know, I mean, this is a long time ago. Uh, so whenever I go home, well, now I don't even go to Brooklyn. Like if I'm like, yeah. now I just go to New Jersey, unless I'm going to like, you know, Barkley center or something sure. random for a wrestling show or something. If I go home, but uh, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's a trip to see how things have changed. So you grew up in, in Brooklyn in a time when, you know, hip hop was emerging Mm -hmm. metal, hardcore punk rock was, was, you know, huge. Tell me about like, what was the first, your first experience with music as a, as a kid? Like, what was your first, I've seen you post about kiss. Were you a big kiss head back when you were a little kid? Yeah, I've got lots of like, I just actually came across one of my Facebook memories that was like uh, me dressed as Peter Chris for Halloween. Awesome. Uh, Which was, it was like those. Was it the Ben Cooper? You remember that the Halloween oh, yeah. mask? It was like that really cheapy, yeah. uncomfortable plastic mask with mm-hmm. the garbage bag that was like designed to look like something. And yeah, I had from the Kmart Chris. or something. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, the music thing, dude. So yeah, Kiss growing up in Black Sabbath and Motley Crue. Those were like the bands that my brother turned me on to. Yeah. And I had a couple guys on my block that were called the Biocus Bi- Twins. Uh, and those two, they the, like they got me hooked on drumming. One of them played the drums. Actually, two of them in their family did. So I learned how to play drums with them. But they also got me hooked on wrestling uh, because nice. they were big wrestling fans. So like I owe a lot to the 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 two brothers uh, because Nikki and Billy. They were just like the guys that like introduced me to everything. That still they get a kick out of seeing all the wrestling posts that I put up. Oh, whether, you're still in contact. contact oh yeah, you, Facebook awesome. is a be- yeah, beautiful yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, yeah they'll, they'll see it and they'll sometimes direct message me like. I can, we cannot believe that you're actually doing it yeah. and also doing the ring announcing stuff and just, you know, all that stuff. Um, but then like, you know, I know you and I definitely share a mutual love for a lot of like the New York hardcore scene. And yeah. that's, I got turned on to that by a guy. I remember there was a skate shop right by my house. It was called Brooklyn house. 
and it was an awesome skate shop. And it was just the place to go that like you would go there to not just buy stuff, but also just to kind of like hang out. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, you would just hang out with the older guys and they would tell you what the cool music was to listen to. And there's a guy, some of you might remember headbangers ball Mm -hmm. and with Ricky Rackman. And remember if, I'm, I'm dating myself. I know some people are like, what the hell are you talking about, Steve? But uh, there was a guy back in the day. MTV played music videos. And if you go to YouTube, you can search and find out what a music video is. Dude, they played great music videos and they would interview like Nirvana to yep. the nuclear assault to like yep. everything in between Megadeth. And yep. they had a uh, man on the street guy by the name of Dom DeLuca. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember him, but he was from Brooklyn and that was his skate shop. He has so, one in down in LA now. Yeah. He ended up like going and becoming like, like a massive, like, clothing yeah. fashion like skate skate culture guru i've i've chatted with him on twitter back and forth a couple of times just to sure. be like he doesn't i'm sure i was one of many kids that he influenced but like i owe a lot to that guy like he's the guy who turned me on to life of agony he's yeah. the guy who turned me on to biohazard uh typo negative all the brooklyn the, to me those that was the brooklyn three like you know like the big yeah. foreign metal like in yeah. brooklyn you if you liked metal you were obsessed with biohazard typo negative and life mm-hmm. of agony. Those were your bands because they were the, they made it in our eyes. Like they were yeah. the biggest things in the world because they came from Brooklyn and they were playing music that we loved. And some of those guys, like I didn't know them personally, but like their, their buddies went to my high school with me yeah. or you'd run into the drummer of biohazard at a certain store that he was working at, you know, but like you'd walk in and you're like, why is this guy working at a store? Not realizing as yeah. a kid, you know, they're just struggling trying to make ends yeah. meet. But to us, they were they were Metallica. They were the biggest band in the world. Some of those uh, early, you know, 90s, um, like Biohazard, Life of Agony and 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 uh, Typo Negative shows probably resembled wrestling matches. They were probably yeah. pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, dude, like some of the like the Lamore shows and, and, and just in general, like they were it was it was a very I, I always like kind of like liken it to and I'm sure you you know exactly what I mean in the hardcore world. It was a very friendly, violent uh, vibe mm-hmm. like and I think that's why I, I, I took such a liking to wrestling because I've always loved physicality. Yeah, but I also don't. But I, I'm not an angry person and I don't want to hurt people like legit. Like, you know, you go into a, you know, you go to a show and you get into a pit like your goal is not necessarily to hurt somebody but your goal is to feel something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like wrestling is the exact same thing. And then when I first started doing the wrestling thing, like that triggered an old memory that I forgot I even missed. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. like I, last time I went to a pit, it was like a biohazard show in Sepultura. And dude, I, my body was like, uh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it was a great show. And like, I was hurting for like a month after that, but you know, getting into the wrestling thing, I'm like, man, this is, there's something you can't unless you experience it and you understand it. I don't think you can. You, I don't think you can really articulate it. Yeah, um, maybe yeah. somebody could, and I'm just not good at it. But like, there's just something about that, like that violent energy that's not that's that's not um, that's not deep rooted in like hatred or or, or anger. It's just mm-hmm. like this. You know, it's just I don't know how to put it into words, but man, there's just something special about it. Like when you get that energy and you just feel like that vibe from other people, but like you're oh, all yeah. in it together. And sometimes it's safer and it's safer to actually be in the pit than on the edge of the pit, you know? I, oh, dude, I don't want to be anywhere on the end of the pit. Like that yeah. sucks. You're absolutely right. I jump just... in <laughs> um, or get to the soundboard. Exactly. That's where I'm on now. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so you're growing up in Brooklyn and um, uh, do you, do you study radio in college or how do you get an, interested in radio? Um, yeah, I went to Plattsburgh state, which is up way upstate New York. It's kind okay. of right by, um, uh, right by Montreal, Canada. It's oh, okay. pretty much right when you you're done driving in New York up next is Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, so small college, uh, really cool vibe there. But uh, what I loved about it, it was, there's a student run college radio station. Cause I was thinking I either want to do TV film or radio. I just knew I wanted to do something. I didn't know if I wanted to be a radio personality. And you chose the lowest paying of the three. Yes. <laughs> also the only one that was willing to give me a job. Sure, um, sure. I didn't know if I wanted to be a music video director. Yep. TV. I didn't even know what I wanted to do in TV. I, you know, I maybe be like a VJ. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like at the time I was like, I don't know. I want to be, that was a career call. back then. Dude, it was, I had a couple buddies <laughs> that ended up doing that for a half a minute. That's awesome. Um, so I go to college and I end up getting an internship at a film company uh, called Manhattan Filmworks in New oh, York cool. city. 
So I would do that in the summer and it was awesome. The guy that ran it, um, he was the Beach Boys documentarian back in the day. Oh, and wow. Was, dude, it was so cool. He yeah. was awesome. And he took a liking to me because I was an, uh, just an obsessive music fan. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I think he just saw like this wonder in my eyes of like, what is this? But man, being an uh, intern in a film company was probably one of the worst experiences of my life as far as a working thing, because wow. you have interns and the production assistants and then so on and so forth up the chain. Everybody crap. It's like it, the crap just goes downhill fast in, in film. And you're just eating tons of it. Oh, dude. And the production assistants, like they catch so much crap. The only people that they can crap on are the interns, at least in this place. Yeah. And they were just massive dicks to the point where I finally, like I was offered a gig from the boss. Like we had lunch and he's like, Hey man, when you're done with college, there's a job here waiting for you. A low end job, but I'll have a job for you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. and I told him like, I have, I, I don't know how to say this. Without, like, I appreciate it, but I was like, I have no interest. And he asked why. And I told him, he goes, yeah, he's like, this is a business where you step on a lot of people. And I'm not proud of that, but like, that does happen. I can't keep an eye on everything. He was cool. Yeah. But it was just like, this isn't my vibe. I'm not, I'm not someone that wants to make a career out of stepping on somebody so I could get further ahead. I just would rather work really hard and, and hopefully get rewarded for my yeah. hard work. Come to Seattle. Long story. So why Seattle? I, I love the music scene. So I was just curious. It was really, to me, this was just a trip. I'm moving here, but it's really a vacation so I could check out Seattle. And once, cool. and once I, I get my fill, I'll go back home and I'll move. I'll move. I didn't want to like get out of college, live with my parents and, and just have that safety net. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I had some opportunities that got my buddy, he ended up becoming a producer for TRL and MTV and awesome. like, they, MTV was hiring a lot of people from Plattsburgh because he set the, the, the bar so high and he like, he impressed them so much. This guy, Bruce McDonald, he was like a star there. And they were just like, we want more of you. Yeah. And they just figured, well, we'll hire more people from Plattsburgh. And not everybody was him. You know, he was just uh, sure. on another level. But so I was like, but I didn't want to just fall into the rut like a lot of my friends were doing. And that's just live at home, really have no direction with their life. I figured I'll move to Seattle. If there's ever a chance to succeed in life, I got to do it without a safety net. Mm -hmm. So moved out here. I was almost to the point where I was like, I, I'm not succeed. I, I couldn't find a job. I tried everything, TV, radio. I applied everywhere and anywhere, kept getting denied. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to move back. My transmission on my station wagon died. So I was like, I can't make the drive. Yeah. Well, I'm stuck here for a little while longer. Let me keep trying. Soon after I get hired at a Spanish radio station, I applied to be a board op. Okay. Yeah. Which is for those that don't know, it's you basically hit play. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you run the commercials. If they have a live disc jockey, you wait for them to tell you to go to a commercial break. You hit it. You tell them when to start talking again. Yep. I had to do it for a Spanish station. Don't speak any Spanish. So oh, I just man. basically stared at these DJs that didn't really speak any English and wait for them to say like una pausa or commercial. And I'm like, okay, I think they're taking a break. And then they yeah. point at me and I was like, <laughs> okay, hit the button. And then there's a timer. So I'd look at the timer and I'd give them the, you know, the, the hand signal of five, four, three, two, one is universal. It's, it doesn't yeah. matter what language you speak. Yeah. So do that. And I did that for a while. Then got hired at the end. And then the rest was just kind of history. It was just like this. I always say my, my, my life has been a series of a lot of hard work and luck and opportunities and not saying no to any of those opportunities. So yeah. someone would quit. Oh, I'll do what they were doing. We can't pay you more. That's fine. We're cutting your hours. That's cool. I'm still going to come in five days a week and work, you know, 60 hours a week. Well, we're only going to pay you for 20 of them. That's cool. Well, one day, you know, you get to the point where you're doing so much for a company they can't lose you. And I didn't plan this. Like this was not like a giant master plan. I was just desperate to work in radio. And I was in my twenties. I didn't yeah. care. Like I was living in a basement for 150 bucks a month, you know, with like six other people in Wallingford, like I was getting by, like to me, I was paying my bills. I'm, I'm succeeding. Yep. And uh, so I was willing to do whatever it took, but then it got to a point where I was like, I need to be paid. I need to be full-time. I need benefits. But I also was doing so much. They couldn't lose me. So it was almost like, they got a, a massive deal for like a year or so. And then eventually they just had to like, even still they were, you know, how radio was like, mm -hmm. they still pay me peanuts, but they made me full time. And to me, I was like, now I'm a real success. I'm getting yeah. full time. Like this is insane. And then like someone would quit. I would be willing to do this job. And, you know, I just radio. And like, I think any form of art, you don't have to be really great at it. You have to be good enough to get by, but you have to be willing to endure the crappy times mm -hmm. and still do it. Yep. And it's like, you're, you're basically like a cockroach. Like you, you, you refuse to die. Yep. And I, I, I see that in any form of art. I think the, those are just willing to, wrestling. You see it too. Like 
there's certain guys that take some 10, 15 years before all of a sudden people start paying attention to him or her. And it's just because they're, they're no more or less talented than the other person. They just finally got their opportunity because they never stopped. I have actually thought to myself, like over the last couple of years, I'm like, I'm the KISW cockroach, right? <laughs> right, dude. I was the ends cockroach. Like it yeah. took forever. Like, and then when it went, but that's, there's something about that. Like you do, there's like a never say die attitude. Yep. If you love it, like we, I don't know about you, but when we started doing this, like I didn't do it for a paycheck. I did it because I love the idea of entertaining people. Yep. And I love the idea of radio and the theater of the mind. And mm-hmm. like, now that I'm able to pay my bills and, you know, luckily we have like, you know, we're able to have a, a roof over our head. Like that to me is, I hit the jackpot. Like that also being said, like you get scared the older you get that that jackpot will eventually get pulled from you. Sure. Um, but you know what? Like I'm going to ride this out as long as I can. And as long as I'm still having fun, yeah. And, you know, um, um, yeah, I'm super happy with the, with where things have gone. That's a beautiful thing, man. And, and, and so you're, you're, you go from 1077, the end, and now you're on KISW. So if, if people uh, are part of this Patreon, there's a lot of people that might not necessarily live in Seattle, but you're on uh, the, the number one rock radio station. Uh, and, and I also do stuff for KISW you as well, Absolutely. shop and, and loud mocha. <laughs> but, but for you personally, you're, you're, um, one of the hosts of of uh, the the biggest rock radio station morning show, um, in in that and you've been doing that for it's like fifteen years, twelve years now, or two thousand six. So whatever the math is to that, yeah, that is fifteen years. Yeah, fifteen, 15, years. 15 years, dude. And we were brought on to replace Howard Stern. Yeah. Now, be, back in the day, before he was on mm-hmm. you know, satellite radio, he was on terrestrial, regular radio. Yep. And he was on KSW forever, for over mm-hmm. 10 years, I think. And then he left regular radio. And you know, all these stations across the country were trying everything and anything to replace Howard, from David Lee Roth to um, Adam Carolla mm-hmm. to other local personalities in their markets. And then there was us. And I mean, I take a lot of pride in this, and especially being, I grew up, loving Howard. And that made me fall in love with radio and talk radio. I take a lot of pride in that. Like we're the only show that replaced him that a is still doing it mm-hmm. uh, on the station that he was once on, like across yep. the country. Like when you look at it, like you isolate each city or whatever. And we've also had better, I hate, you know, ratings are so subjective. Like you just depends on whatever, but sure. like we've had better quote unquote success in Seattle than he did. That's all awesome. he was on in Seattle. And like, that, that's pretty, that's just, uh, that's something that I, I take, I will always have a lot of pride in what we've pulled off in these 15 years of anything I can look back on. I'm like, that's, that's when you look at it on a grand scheme and you know, a lot of people paying attention is probably just like, cool, whatever. But like in the radio world, that was like a, that was an unheard of thing. Like that anyone, oh, yeah. cause it was like, it was basically you were handed a death sentence. Like, mm-hmm. cool. You get a morning shift and that's a awesome opportunity. Oh, you're replacing Howard. You're effed. Yeah, but I think, yeah. I think a lot of it for us is that we didn't go on trying to crap on what Howard did and what Howard's legacy was, which is what a lot of radio shows did try and do because mm-hmm. they were bitter. We went on and celebrated them. We're like, hey, man, like people who are listening to us maybe can't afford satellite, but yeah. did love Howard. Why are we going to crap on what they once loved? Like, that's silly. And also, why would I crap on something that inspired me to want to do this anyway, just because that's supposed to be what you do in radio? And also, if he wouldn't have stepped aside, they might not have taken that chance, you know, to, to bring you guys a bond. So, oh, they definitely wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I have to ask, and I know the answer to this, but people listening might assume 15, you know, 25 years or so being a morning show host. Are you a morning guy? No, you know, I knew, I knew that. <laughs> but how, how do you make it work? And, and being up at the butt crack of dawn every day, you know, I, I, I know when I see you at live day, don't talk to Steve until he's had some coffee or he's got his notes together. You know? <laughs> Dude, I am. I'm a not I'm not I'm not miserable towards people. I'm just miserable. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to like be like, screw you. Leave me alone. It's just mm-hmm. like if you're if you're expecting a, uh, an actual thought out answer, you're probably just going to get a. Yeah. Uh huh. OK, cool. Uh, come, come see me in about 15 minutes. And you know what I mean? I'm never going to be like F off person, whoever's talking to me, but yeah, dude, I, I just don't like getting up that early. Like, and to me, the perfect life would be the only thing that would be better than what I get to do is being able to live comfortably and never have to set an alarm clock. So to you me, never get used to it. I truly believe it gets worse. 
Oh, um, wow. Okay. I think you learn how to deal with it better, but the older you get, and also I do stuff at night and yep, now with yep. the two-year-old running around the house, it's not like I'm getting my naps like I used to yeah. in the middle of the day. Um, but yeah, dude, getting up, I have several alarm clocks, but they all start anywhere from like, if I want to sleep in, they start at like 3.30. If I want to wake mm-hmm. up and actually get my body moving before I actually leave for work, three-ish. And then I'll, I'll leave my house around like anywhere between 3.45 and four in the morning. And then it's just go, dude. It's just like, it used to be work, come home, take a power nap. Uh, and then be good for the rest of the day. But now, you know, with Tatum, you know, I can't come. I, I couldn't even imagine. I'm not even like, I wouldn't even think of asking because I wouldn't want to, but like yeah. when I come home, I'm not gonna be like, Hey babe, I know you've been dealing with a crazy two-year-old for the last yeah. like seven hours. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap yeah, and yeah. just wake me up in like two hours and then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll help out. So then you get home and then it's full on dad mode. Yep. And then, you know, we put her down for bed around like seven ish. And then we get maybe like an hour and a half just to chill and watch TV for the first time all day and, and just relax and, you know, and then go to bed around like nine and start it all over again at three something in the morning. It's just, that's the routine. Every day you wake up and choose violence, Steve. Well, it's going back to, it's a friendly violence, but it is violence. It's violence. I like it. Uh, Dude, sorry for taking so long on this. Uh, I I promised you it'd be about 45 minutes, but. Oh, no, no uh, rush. No, I'm done, dude. I got, I got some time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, So. Your your twin uh your the brothers back in the day in Brooklyn going back to wrestling mm-hmm. they turn you on to wrestling yep. are you immediately hooked yes instantly they showed me what I'd imagine was Pro Wrestling Illustrated or some wrestling magazine and I remember I will never forget opening it up and seeing a picture of uh, Bruiser Brody nice. and I I'm sure if you look hard enough you could probably find this picture or or a video or something that is very reminiscent of this it doesn't have to be the exact one. I wouldn't be able to pinpoint the exact one. And I'm sure there's several pictures of him doing this, him in the crowd, bloody face with a chain in his hand, swinging it. And I remember just seeing the look of fear and me being scared of an individual that's in a magazine that can't even come near me. Like, you know, at that time, you know, for all I know at the time he's in Puerto Rico, I'm in Brooklyn. It's Mm -hmm. not like I have to have worry that this guy's going to come get me, but that picture terrified me. But in a way, like I was just like, what is this? And then I see pictures of the road warriors or, or Legion of doom. And I just fell in love with those larger than life monsters. And I think it was maybe the kiss thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, before we knew what Gene Simmons really was at the time, like we truly thought he was a demon that was breathing yeah. fire and not truly, but you know what I mean? Like we were scared of this guy. He was breathing fire and spitting blood. And that's what wrestling was. And I'm like, this yeah. is freaking awesome. So when you were a kid in, in Brooklyn, um, you probably got a lot of wrestling, a lot of different companies. You probably got the stuff from Madison Square Garden. Was it WWF by that point? Or it was, WWF? It was WWF. It was on Channel 9, like at like midnight on like yep. a Saturday night or something like that. But, you know, if you spun your channel, I remember it was like Channel 47. You'd get Lucha Libre. Awesome. So I'd be able to watch like certain like luchadors and like some of the big names like, you know, Mil Mascaris and things. and, and, and Santo. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tiger Mask. I yeah. got to see some of that stuff, too. Like it was crazy. Like. And then even if you had like one of those UHF uh, things, like, you know, the old antennas, like this mm-hmm. is how old I'm going back. But like, I was able to get like the old UWF, not the one that was oh, on yeah. um, Dark Side of the Ring, yeah. but the one that gave us like Sting and Junkyard Dog, Junkyard Dog and, and Jim Ross. Mm-hmm. I remember interviewing Sting a long time ago and, and mentioning to him that I, like, I fell in love with him on UWF. And he was just yeah. like, that's a deep cut. Yeah, he thought that was pretty cool. And you know who was badass in that hacksaw Jim Duggan, dude? He Dude, was you a go back and watch some of those old hacksaw Jim Duggan matches before he became a, a cartoony. And look, I don't blame him. I mean, he probably made a lot of money being yeah. the whole guy with the two by four. But dude, he was all he was. Some, I mean, it was fun to watch. Same with Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was. This is so nerdy, but hey, we're on a wrestling pod, you know, uh, yeah. Patreon for wrestling fans. So I'd yeah. imagine we're not the only nerdy ones here. Oh, the nerdiest. So this is granted. I, I guess like, you know, I always bitch about the internet being like, you know, sometimes the fans just like nothing's good enough. But I remember being a kid and being mad that Ted DiBiase went to the WWE or WWF and became the million dollar man because they're, 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 they're putting him in a character that's not him. Like, I just liked him as Ted DiBiase, the guy that wore black trunks, you know, and was just a badass wrestler. Like, I loved DiBiase when I was growing up. And mm-hmm. You were and an then, internet smart before an internet smart. Right. I'm like, <laughs> WWF is totally going to ruin him with this character. Meanwhile, it's like the most iconic character 
a character that I've based like even my wrestling persona on yep. that I do nowadays. Like it's one of the most, I mean, it, I'm glad I wasn't his agent as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old yeah, or whatever exactly. I was at the time. But man, I was so pissed when he came to the WWF and he wasn't just Ted DiBiase and that he was mm-hmm. the million. I was also mad when it was Texas Tornado and he wasn't Kerry Von Erich. So you like, were an NWA guy? Were you, was that your favorite? AWA. I love AWA. AWA. Uh, I think because I got, uh, I was able to watch that the most and I had the action figures. Mm. So I was like, I love the the Von Erichs. Uh, well, also WC uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. Yeah. So I, I kind of was like just NWA, World Class Championship Wrestling and AWA. Like to me, they all kind of, they, they, they were very ancestral. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was times where you would see some of the guys in the NWA that you'd also see on AWA. So I, I looking back on it, I mean, I love Ric Flair, but did I love Ric Flair for him in the NWA or did I love him for the AWA stuff? I don't know. Uh, I was just a fan of those characters. I think I liked them because they weren't as cartoony. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I and I mean I loved like the, the rivalry between the Freebirds and the Von Erics. I that was to me, I was like, you know, to me it was some of the the most compelling stuff. Still to say looking back on, like I, you know, I was obsessed with that kind of stuff. So did you ever get to see it live? Any I, kind of wrestling live? Yes. I got to see, and I know a lot of people talk about it as being like a big deal. I didn't know it was a big deal at the time, but it was like a big show that the NWA and I think the AWA did together mm-hmm. at the uh, Meadowlands Arena, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. So like I saw Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and all those guys wrestle, the Road Warriors, and it wasn't WWF, which was rare on the East Coast because yeah. really the only thing you got to see, and I got to see some WWF shows as well, not a ton, but my parents took me to maybe maybe six or seven arena shows in my entire childhood, which was a lot. Yeah. That was a big deal to me. Um, And then, but my mom would take me to these local indie shows at churches. Uh, There would just be like these random wrestling shows at like St. Columbo, St. Thomas, like these Mm -hmm. random, like, and dude, at the time it didn't matter to me. Like I'm getting to see wrestling. Like, but dude, it was very like, I look back on it now and it, it was very reminiscent of like going to see something at Washington Hall with Defy or, you know, or it wasn't so much like you were seeing it to me. It felt like you were seeing it in a big venue because like, you know, these churches weren't like tiny, but they weren't big. You know, they they maybe held like 400 or 500 people. Yeah. And I'm seeing guys like Tony Gurria and um, I'm trying to think of who else I I saw. King Kong Bundy. Never saw, never saw King Kong, but I saw Bialo the Giant. Like the, he was like the big indie. Okay. He was like the Andre the Giant on you know uh, from Wish kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. yeah. <laughs> like I want Andre. You've got Andre Giant at home. Yeah, yeah we got Andre at home. It's Bialo the Giant. Yeah. And he was awesome, dude. But the best part was like you'd go see these guys and you'd get to meet them. It's no yeah. different than like a Defy experience or an indie wrestling experience yeah. nowadays. And they used to let the kids. I don't think they do this so much nowadays. I'm sure there was one day something happened that ruined the fun for everyone. But they would let all of us kids go in the ring and just yeah. run around. And some of the wrestlers, the good guys, none of the bad guys would be out there. Like you wouldn't see Greg the Hammer Valentine like helping us. But like Tony Greer would get in the ring with us. Yeah. Ivan Putsky. I remember that was another yeah. one. Polish power. And they would like kind of hold our hands and let us like stand on the turnbuckles and like gently help us jump off the ropes, you know, but like all safe. And I'm sure like the promoter made the wrestlers like get in there and make sure these kids don't F up my ring. Yeah. But it was like, that was like the big highlight is when wrestling was done that night, we'd all get to go in the ring. That is a cool mom to bring you to those events. Yeah, dude, I look back on it and that's why I get like a, like I never thought when I was doing like doing the independent wrestling thing nowadays. Yeah. But when I go and do like some of the smaller shows where there are parents bringing kids and you get to just kind of witness what it's like for them. Yeah. And, and like, that's why I'm, I'm dude, I'm a terrible with my, I, I, I'm i making bad business choices. Cause I'll just hand the kid a, a free t-shirt. Cause it just right. reminds yeah. me of me and my mom. And like, that was like some of my absolute favorite memories. And I, to, to know that like in a weird way, I could be their Bialo the giant or some no name guy, but like, they think he's a big name because they're seeing this person wrestle in a ring and it's larger than life to this kid. Like to, the fact that I could be that to, some like five, six year old. That's insane. And you need business advice from Virgil. He'd tell you to go hit the parents up for $60. <laughs> right. I hand the, hand the kid a shirt. I'm like, mom, dad, your shirt's not free. And I yeah, expect exactly. to see you at the merch table. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, uh, did you continue to love wrestling? Uh, like all throughout up until yeah. like your twenties and all that? Did you the follow only, it? 
The only time I didn't follow it, and it's always funny because it's the most iconic time for professional wrestling was the Attitude Era. Oh, interesting. Okay. I I never saw a lick of the Attitude Era. While everyone else is falling in love, you're falling out of it. I didn't fall out of it. I couldn't afford cable in college. Ah. And I was in college around the height of all of it. Like, I mean, I caught a little bit of it when I go home, but in college, we had no TV. Yeah, you weren't following it day to day. Yeah. Yeah. No internet was, dude, it's crazy that like that's just, it ages me, but like internet was, you could go to the library and maybe get on the internet. WWF.com. Like that was basically it. Yeah. Right. Like magazines would really be it, but I wasn't able to afford to get like Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So I was like completely out of the loop with wrestling when I was in college for those four years. And that just turned out to be what some argue is the greatest four years of wrestling history. And I missed pretty much all of it. You know, I watch uh, all those documentaries now and I'll go back sometimes on the network uh, and, and watch like some old episodes. But you watch some of those old episodes, and you're like, man, people are romanticizing about this era way more than I think they realize. Like there's some cool stuff. Don't get me wrong, but there's some really bad stuff as well. Oh, absolutely. Some of those matches are just like, there, some of the matches are just so short yep, and just not really, they're just brawls. And some of the uh, characters are, um, uh, let's just say they didn't age well. No, no. <laughs> and a lot of the, the content didn't age well either. It's kind of like watching like an old, um, like iconic... HLA is not exactly right. HLA. It's like, it's like watching an old um, uh, movie that was like a, a great comedy. Uh, from back in the day and you're like mm-hmm. watching and just like shallow how yeah even like yeah like watching like old like you know like some of like the some of like the stuff that was popular yeah in like the 2000s and you're like wow we've really progressed quite a bit in just 15 years 20 yep. years let alone like the movies from like the 70s and 80s forget oh, yeah. about it uh okay so so when I first started working at uh KISW you I I noticed that you weren't really into wrestling and you were into uh, guys like Brian Danielson and, and stuff like that. Like you were aware of indie wrestling. Um, what what got you back? What got you back heavily into wrestling? And then what drew your attention to like you know wrestling that wasn't you know the big big companies? What what um, blew your uh, blew your mind about that kind of stuff? You know, um, for me, I think a lot of it was Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept hearing a lot about Ring of Honor, this Ring of Honor, that, you know, and you watch like, you know, TNA and there was some good stuff. And I'm like, well, I really like this guy and that guy. And then some, I tell some of my friends, they're like, oh, did you ever see him in Ring of Honor? And I'm like, yeah. no, I so like, oh, you should watch Samoa Joe from Ring of Honor. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a way better version of Samoa Joe than I've seen in TNA. You know, oh, yeah, like that kind of stuff is really and then you fall in love with like guys like CM Punk and, mm-hmm. and Brian Danielson. And then all of a sudden, like you're starting to see all these dudes pop up in the WWE. And it was just kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but then like. What really got me into independent wrestling, uh, it had a lot to do with working at Defy. Uh, you know, I mean, I was obviously a fan of Ring of Honor, but at that point, I felt like Ring of Honor it was in this weird limbo of they're not like the big, they're not the WWE. Yep. They're also not an indie anymore. Like they're, exactly. you know, they're 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 on a, a level above your your independent wrestling show, and that's not a disrespect to independent wrestling. It was just. I felt like they upped their game with production. They're on television. Also, like, they it, weren't technically an indie because they were owned by Sinclair Media, which is one of the biggest, right? You know, corporations of of broadcasting in America. So it's like sometimes you call a band an, an indie rock band, but they're st- now on a major label, or like and, on Universal. Well, they, yeah, it's like yeah, but you're like, well, they still have the indie aesthetic, exactly. But, exactly. but technically, they're not. Um, so it's kind of like that. And so then I started like when when Jim hit me up to to do Defy. Yeah, you know, I was like. I remember I was watching like a lot of like, like, uh, was it Lucha Underground and like stuff like that. And I remember what hooked me because he sent me a random DM because uh, Defy Wrestling started following me. And I'm like, oh, it's a wrestling thing. I'll follow it back. Sure. Instantly got a direct message from Jim on Defy's uh, in, uh, Twitter account mm-hmm. and just said, hey, we know you love wrestling. I'd love to chat with you. We're starting up a new promotion. Love for you to be involved. Our first show is going to have Cody Rhodes and Shane Strickland. And I was like, I have sold me right there on Cody Rhodes and Shane Strickland. Yeah. And this is like, I, Cody just left the WWE. Yeah. He's talking about doing all these indies, bringing more, also giving me more attention to wanting to check out the indies because he's mm-hmm. putting out all these names of wrestlers that maybe I've never heard of or never seen, heard of, but never seen. And I'm like, I got to check these guys out. So I meet up with Jim for coffee. We instantly bond over CM Punk, which I thought was kind of funny. Like that's yeah. what got him back in love with wrestling. And that definitely like amped up my love for wrestling as well. And then he was just like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know, but I just, 
I'm down to do anything just so I could be in a venue where Cody Rhodes is wrestling Shane Strickland. Cause that's going to be an insane match. He's like, well, I was like, I don't want to be a commentator. At that point, I had no idea what he even had planned for me, but I was telling him what I didn't want. Cause I was just like, I, I love wrestling. Yeah. I know everything about like, I mean, I'm, but I'm terrible with, I wouldn't be able to do play by play. And why would I do commentary if I'm, I've never wrestled like that. No, yeah. None of that made sense to me. He's like, okay, well, what about ring announcing? I'm like, well, I've never done it. Do I, <laughs> this is my question. I'm like, do I have to wear a suit? Like <laughs> this is yeah. the conversation we're having. But I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say yes to something and, and not really want put my heart and soul into it, but I don't mm -hmm. want to say yes to something that like, I'm not a good fit for and I, I'm not the suit guy. Yeah. Um. So he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're not Jim Valley. Jim Valley's a suit guy. You're right. not the suit guy. He's well, the suit guy. There's a lot of great wrestling announcers on the Indies that like, that's their thing. Yep. And there's also great wrestlers on the uh, ring announcers on the Indies that they're just t-shirts and shorts guys. Like mm -hmm. I just want to be myself. And, mm -hmm. and, and I'll, uh, you know, and Jim was just like, yeah, man, we just want you to be you however you want to do it. And that sold me. I was just like, if I could just, be less of a ring announcer and more of a host and treat it like how we do our, our stage announcements. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Like that yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally down for that and do the first show, fall in love with it. Like fall instantly fall in love with the local talent, mm -hmm. you know, because at the time I wasn't going to see local indie shows. There wasn't a disrespect to the local indie shows. It was just nothing really grabbed me in the yeah, sense yeah. of like, I didn't know anybody that was wrestling. So there was no connection as much as I'd want to do it, I was so knee deep in music and work. And it was hard to find that balance, uh, relationship stuff. So like this kind of forced me to go to a wrestling show, fell in love with it. Now I'm like, I can't believe I've been missing out on this. And there's some great local talent, like, you know, guys like the, the American guns with Mike and Ethan yeah. and just all the way down the line, you know, there's some great luchadors as well. It was like, mm -hmm. it was a really Sonico. cool, yeah. yeah, Sonico. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And the best thing was after the first couple of shows, like myself and uh, Shane, kind of started i'd always have him on when he was in town and doing a podcast yeah. interview and we just became good buddies and it was really him that helped me find my identity of what i wanted to be in that ring for defy because i was like i don't want to just be a start like your typical ring announcer but i also don't want to like try and like reinvent the wheel like i mean i'm not i'm not trying to make it about me but i also don't want it to be me trying to be an imposter of something you know yeah that makes sense so he was just like hey like just find what you think is what you bring. And that's kind of where the whole, we get loud vibe started. Like I yeah, was like, yeah. he's like, you know, he even said, he's like, you know, like, like, you know, uh, what was it? Um, what the hell was the promotion in uh, with uh, Jim Smallman uh, crap progress progress. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, their whole, the whole mantra is don't be a dick. He's like, you got to try and find something like that. That's kind of like what that promotion that that was their identity. Yeah. And I, and I realized rather quickly at the five shows, like the crowd was just hungry for wrestling. Yeah, and they yeah. were loud. And I'm like, oh, how do we just like really embrace that? And that's like, I remember I was driving in, you know, trying to think of what I was going to say. And I was like, man, I just think the simplicity of just saying, you know, where Seattle is known in the world of sports as being a loud fan base. What if that's like our mantra is that we get loud, we get loud yeah. at Washington Hall. And it's just after that, then they're calling things a defiance. Like I was just trying to find ways to refer to the fan base that wasn't, and I'm still struggling with this, like, you know, like, I don't want to just refer to the fans as, Hey, how are you guys doing? Yeah. It's, it's, um, and it's not silly, but like I, I overthink and I, I get very, uh, like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm like, I'm, I want to be respectful to everybody. And like, oh, we're yeah. in a, you know, in a time where, you know, people identify in different ways and I don't want to just be like, Hey, you guys, yeah. and I don't mean any disrespect sure. and I still do it. And it, every time I do it, I'm like, Oh, cause I know there's somebody out there. I hope that they don't feel like I'm not making them feel uncomfortable by using that term. And, and I know it's, that may sound silly, but I really do but care. It's a habit. It, yeah. And I care about like making sure like that's something I do take a lot of pride that if you come to the defy shows that you are welcomed by all. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that starts with all of us that are, are like myself, yourself, Jim and Matt, anyone that's a part of defy Annie, like there's a vibe that you want to give everybody that they, they, everybody is felt welcome. And that's why I love just referring to everybody as the defiance, because that doesn't, that's, that's everybody. There, there, mm -hmm. There's no gender to that. You know what I mean? And that to me is important. Absolutely. Um, so that being said, I still catch myself saying guys. And I, and every time I'm like, I, I know no one thinks that I'm doing it maliciously, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. You, you're trying to break a little habit and, but, 
but so you're, so you're constantly trying to like, you know, kind of hone your craft and skills and, and learn of new ways to do that. But the term defiance gets made and, mm-hmm. and then it becomes, you know, known as the defiance. And that is what we are on. We're on the defiance Patreon. And mm-hmm. so this is the community, you know, it is, it is something um, that is unique in the sense that, you know, it's, it's very much like punk rock in the sense that, you know, the performers are on the same level as yep. the audience. And, um, you know, as, as corny as it sounds, um, the a question I have to ask every, every podcast I ask, what does the defiance mean to you? Uh, it goes back to what we just said. I, I feel like it's a, a place of feeling welcome. Um, I hope, you know, I mean, you know, you never, you're going to have bad eggs in every, anything that involves a large number of people, not everybody is on the same page, but I feel like on the whole, the defiance is a group of people that just make you feel welcome. The minute for me, the minute I step out of that curtain, like I have, I I don't know about you, but I still to this day, even doing stage announcements and ring announcing and anything where I'm coming out in front of people, I have this anxiety that they're all going to boo me. And it's just like this thing that kind of like, it eats me up and I have to battle that a lot of times. Like I've had panic attacks in that ring while ring announcing, which have been some of the most terrifying, like, and it's, uh, it's like, I'm almost about to pronounce people's names wrong. I, mm-hmm. I, I've been in that ring and just forgot who, these are things I don't really ever like shared, but like I've been in that ring before where I'm about to introduce like the wrestlers and I, I don't even know who they are. And I do know, but like everything went black and it's like, I'm struggling and I'm sweating and I'm trying not to show it. And like, I remember it was like, there's a, um, it was a while ago, but man, and I had this long pause in between like, you know, cause I try and remember where they're from and their name and then. Like I've, I've cheat sheet cards like anyone does, yeah. but I keep them in my pocket. Cause I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just aesthetically like not holding a card, Sure. but like, there are times where I'm like, I have them in my back pocket for that reason, because mm-hmm. there have been times where I've blacked down. I just grab it quickly and look, and it's not because I'm not professional. It's just, I straight up just went, everything turned off and I was yeah. like, I was full on panic mode. And those are just terrifying. I don't know why I do this sometimes. Like, like I'm just like, why am I putting, but I love it. Like, I also love that energy of the crowd. Yeah. So to me, the defiance is just this place that you just feel very accepted. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you're into, as long as you're just a good person and your heart's in the right place. And, you, and, and we all have this common ground of loving professional wrestling. And for a lot of us, we probably were goofed on because we love professional wrestling. We yeah. To this day, or people roll their eyes when they find out that we're obsessed with professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So we have this room of hundreds of people that just want to just celebrate what we love. And that's what I really want to bring when I'm in that ring is, and I remember, I, was, I think it was Rocky Romero. One of the coolest things was like, we we're just BSing after the show. And he pulled me aside. just like, Hey man, he's like, you're like a ringmaster out there. Like, you know, like a circus, like, and that's, that meant a lot. Like uh, awesome. I'm, I love Rocky Romero and yeah. to have him even just want to say hi and say what I did was he noticed He's like, I could tell like when you felt they were dipping, you do whatever you could to bring them back up. And to me, that's what I want to do is like, yeah, this is a long night and we're giving it our all in every match. But I want to make sure every match still gets a lot of love because yeah. that's what we're there for. We're there to celebrate what we love and that's wrestling. And I think when we celebrate it, the wrestlers, they get a little more crazy and stupid in the ring mm-hmm. because they know this crowd is not going to just sit on their hands and just do a quick ooh or an ah, they're going to be there making, I mean, you saw that match with like Nick and Joey Janela. Oh yeah. That was, a, that was, that was something really special. And it was, the match itself was special. We went on a journey with them, but then that post-match promo with Janela, it, that was like one of the hardest things though, as a ring announcer. Cause like that all happened, up, dude. I was also, and I think everybody was, but we still had another match. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how do you, how do you like, <laughs> Like, what do you do at that point? Like, I should not be speaking. Like, what Joey said should have been the very last thing said for the entire night. Like, we should have just let that moment sit and go home. But you don't plan that. Like, that's yeah. that's the beauty of wrestling. There's no guarantee that he's going to do something like that. There was no, there was no like plan. There was no script of him saying that. There was no emotion being manipulated. It was like all real. That was a real moment. But then we got to figure out a way. And I'm like trying to figure out a way to get that crowd back up because we still have a great match with the Brody King and Tom Lawler to have. Mm-hmm. And they did, but I felt like that was like, that took effort and yeah. it's not oh, because yeah. of a bad match. What they put in that ring, I thought was awesome. But like, I think all of us as a collective, as a defiance really had to like, kind of like 
okay, we just were emotionally exhausted, but we yep. still got to give these two guys the, the respect that they deserve. And oh, yeah. they're going to beat the crap out of each other in this ring. We should, sh and, and I've, I was really, really stoked to see how that crowd reacted to that match because in some situations that could have been just like a dud. Yeah. It could have been. How do you follow what what those what two, those two did and what what Janela said afterwards, man? Like I always dug Joey, but man, he went to a whole other level to Absolutely. me with not only his performance in the ring that night. I thought that was not only. I mean, I know a lot of people are like praising it as a match on its own and Nick's best performance, mm -hmm. but I felt like that was Joey's best performance, at least that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he busted he's out some lot, moves I'd never seen. I know he has. He's had a lot of great matches. It's not like he's no hasn't delivered before, but like. When you can get an emotion on top of just putting on a great match, damn, dude, that's, I mean, I, not a lot of, I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to accomplish that. And like, you know, I would love to, I feel like that's like something that that's a whole next level performer. That's a yeah. next level artist right there. Like them both together was magic. Absolutely, man. And how do I mean, how do we, how do we top that? How do we top that even with this conversation? But I do have to ask. So so not only do you, um, you know, you, you hype people up at the wrestling, but you've also, uh, you've done your own wrestling. So you've become a wrestler. You mm -hmm. started training. What inspired you to, to actually, you know, uh, and, and, and props to you, because if you look at a picture of you 15 years ago on, on BJ and Migs, <laughs> you have, you have gotten in, in tip top shape, dude. Like you, you, you look awesome. I know. I feel like it's funny. Like, I feel like, you know, the forties is where everything's supposed to fall apart and go downhill. Yeah. I felt like I did that in my thirties. Now everything's coming to, together. I'm trying to right the wrongs of my thirties and my twenties nice. by getting in better shape. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, you know, it just started as a couple of friends being like, Hey, come down to training with us and just do it for fun. Mm -hmm. And like at the time I was doing stuff with a different promotion where I was a commissioner character mm -hmm. and it would be, I was like, well, it'd be kind of cool to know how to take a couple bumps in case it was for the story. And I just fell in love with it. And, uh, uh, I, I'd love to give props to a guy by the name of Chris Ross who wrestles in town. He's one of the, the bash bros that wrestle uh, locally. And now they're wrestling in Atlanta and California awesome. and doing him and Dave Turner. Uh, he was the first to really like see something in me in the ring to where he's like, you should have matches. And, Cause I never was planning on it. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. And I don't know if that was just him being an optimistic person. And he's like that with everyone, or he genuinely saw something, but like he had a big part of it. Guys like him and Ethan HD as well. Um, uh, a few others that were just like very helpful in, in, in getting me to think that I, I still question if I'm able to pull this off, you know, I mean, I have that, that sure. imposter syndrome that I think sometimes anyone would have with anything that they do. Uh, but if anyone has given me any sense of confidence, those are a couple of guys that really have. And then recently I've been training over with the buddy Wayne Academy, which yeah. you know, obviously has given some great wrestlers that you see in defy from, you know, from, uh, from Cody Chun to Guillermo Rosas, uh, uh, to the, Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne, of course, yeah. um, uh, Darby Allen was a yeah. part of uh, the buddy Wayne Academy. Also big Jack and, uh, Carl Randers. I mean, there's Sonico. I train with him every yeah. week as well. The cook brothers, uh, cook bros. Uh, there's a lot of great, great, talented wrestlers. Some Danica. that Danica as well. Yeah. Uh, she's been injured since I've been there. Uh, mm -hmm. so I've been in, in uh, Jordan Oasis. He was a part of it as well. Uh, and, and, and some that like you have, maybe you haven't seen in defy, but are also great. Like Nick Radford. Well, Nick did a couple of the did earlier couple, ones. Yeah. Uh, also Tom Allman, the, they're called the Academy. Uh, awesome. great. You know, I mean, the list goes on is uh, 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 Jacob Oso, uh, mm -hmm. Drake Kwan. Uh, there's a good group. Uh, and there's some that haven't come out just yet. Guy by the name of a uh, toy, um, uh, a lady by the name of Anna that are hopefully going to be making their way in the world of wrestling. Cause they're, they're awesome. They're freaking killer. Um, and also, uh, uh, Leon Negro too, who you've seen mm -hmm. in defy, uh, I can, I'll probably forget someone. I feel terrible later on, but like, there's so many great talented wrestlers that came out of there and, uh, just working with that crew and Shayna, uh, they've been, they've, they've taken my confidence to a whole other level, which is That's funny awesome. because like trying to keep up with them is a confidence killer because they're all so damn talented. And I'm just yeah. trying, you know, I'm the old dog, just trying to do what I can in that ring. Yeah. And, but they see stuff in me like, uh, uh, cash who's no longer, he's now in Atlanta, uh, yep. and this cash, but I, owe, I owe a lot to that guy. Like I was training a lot with him before he moved out, uh, when I first started there and, and, and he just kind of made me feel like I, I am, what I'm doing is of, of something of substance, if that makes yeah. sense.
Uh, and you need that. Like, and I think any form of art, like you, you, you question yourself nonstop, whether or not you're, you're worth a damn, or are you just being a fool out there? And I, yeah. uh, to, so to have people that I respect be like, no, 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 what you did right there, like, you should be very proud of yourself. Like, that's cool. Like, uh, and those are, I, 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 there's so many people I can name that have been so helpful, but like, it all started really, like I said, just I'm take a couple of bums. Yeah. I love wrestling. It'd be fun to learn a little bit of the inside, get some of the uh, inside baseball world of it all. And then, sure. and then since then I've just been doing it almost every weekend and oh, yeah. I, and every week, every Wednesday, uh, sometimes more than Wednesdays, sometimes random days on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any aspirations. I, everything I've wanted. That was my question. So like, uh, so yeah, my, my, I remember, you know, years ago, when I think it was even probably at a WrestleMania weekend where I, you were, you were training and, and you told me that your, your goal was just to have one match. And I was training for that one match. Yeah. Like for we one match, Orleans, just to have one match. Yeah. And that was, so everything after that has been, you know, they always say like, appreciate the the journey, not that de- it's not about the destination. It's the journey. I'm just yeah. on the journey now. Like That's awesome. I, I accomplished what I wanted with this. I don't have, dude, I'm not going to ever get, you're not going to see me at like, you know, uh at pwg or at you know at the wwe dark match or like i mean I, you know never say never of course but i i'm feeling pretty confident i could say never to those type of things like my 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 goal was just to have one match now my goal is just to put on a fun show yeah. that stands out amongst the sea of high flyers i hope my style of wrestling is like maybe uh a, a nice change of pace on a card, which I think is important to have. Yeah. Uh, and really like ever since I've been able to make the, like when I started noticing I'm making connections with kids, even though I'm a, when I wrestle, I wrestle as a, mostly as a bad guy. Yeah. Kids don't give a crap about that. Like they just want to be entertained and they want to have fun. And sometimes the kids that yell at me the most in the ring are the most excited to say hi to me after the show. And to me, that's been like, I, I, I remember I was uh, at a show with Titus Alexander and we were mm-hmm. just hanging out at the merch table. And I'm like, I know it sounds because I just met a couple of kids that wanted to give me a hug and they were so excited. And I looked at him and he's like, he witnessed the whole thing. And I'm like, I know it's cheesy, but man, is, this is what it's all about. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's like, you're, I agree. It's cheesy, but you're not wrong. Like, this is definitely what it's all about. Like you don't get into it thinking that's what it's about, but when you make those connections, it's like a drug, man. Like, yeah. It's it's an uh, the, the entire experience of wrestling is like an adrenaline rush, but that moment when you make that like when you're that larger than life character for this yeah. kid, that's that's awesome. Do you get? Um, I, I'm assuming you probably do, but but how how much of a cross section do you get? Like a lot of listeners and bring mm-hmm. their kids to 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 see you wrestle and stuff. Dude, a lot, a lot of come not even being wrestling fans, and they brought their kids because they knew they could bring their kids. So it's yeah. something that you can bring your kid to, and I'm sure. Yeah. That's- yeah, As a totally. parent, probably when I get older, I'll realize that anything that you can go bring your kid to, yeah. pull, so, pop them in front and they'll watch. Dude, then they start going and they're even going to the shows that I'm not even booked on. Like yeah. they just, they, their kid became a wrestling fan. That's cool. So like, I, 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 I take a lot of pride in that. Like, cause you know, same probably as you, like, I love this and I'd love for more people to know about it. So yeah. I really, whether it be defy, whether it be without a cause, whether it be whatever promotion you want to throw in your SOS that's currently doing stuff here in Seattle to, 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 you know, five CC to relentless to DOA to now power wrestling coming back. Like if I can be a little part of the reason why more people in the Pacific Northwest are finding out about independent wrestling and realizing that a, it's completely different than what you watch on TV and B it's so much better than what you get to watch on TV because it's more intimate Oh yeah. to, really be there and experience it and you get to meet the people that you see and for your kids they don't care about they're not going to be like well how many followers you have on instagram or something like that you know what i mean like these kids they just got to watch you in the ring you're like a superhero to them so if i could help like be a liaison from someone that's never thought about going to an indie wrestling show and now they are going to an independent wrestling show and i've seen it so i'm not like trying to like pat myself on it but i've seen a, a good number of people do that to me that's that's freaking awesome has your do- does your daughter realize what you do yet? No, and that's kind of what I'm. Tr- I guess that's my 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 ultimate destination is to be able to have one match where she's there and she's booing me. Yes, I think that would be awesome. That would be perfect for video. Yes, <laughs> and then I can call it quits. That's like I think amazing. that's that's the moment where I'm like, you know what, I'm done. My body's done, and awesome. I got to I got to have my daughter come to one wrestling show. That would be pretty freaking cool. Well, I don't want to take up all your time tonight, but um, I do have one uh, final question here. Um, Defy's been around for, what is it, four years now? What, four? 
think four. Yeah, I, I lose track now with the, the with the shutdown. Yeah, it's yeah. it's all a blur. But uh, what aside from the the Nick Wayne and Joey Janela match, what has been a match that you know? I'm not going to say like your all time favorite, but what's a match that you remember is really standing out as something that you 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 always think about when you when you think of Defy. You know, it's a lot of times when people I think ask these questions, like it takes a little bit of time probably to think about. I'm sure you've asked this to some, and they, sure. they have to think about it. I it, it's instant, and I I will say this. It's still, I've seen a lot of great matches and it's no disrespect to all the other matches I've seen. There will never be a better match in my eyes for me than Cody Chun taking on Christopher Daniels. And it's on YouTube. I've watched it several times. I've never watched a Defy match more than I've watched that one. That match legit brought me to tears during the match. And I can't really pinpoint why. It wasn't, I think it had a little bit to do with both. Like, hey, I'm a, as big of a fan of Cody Chun as a wrestler, but also as a human being. I think that guy is one of, you know, obviously he's also, you know, dude that trained over uh, Buddy Wayne. I was lucky enough to train with him right before they left for the Nightmare Factory, but this is even before all that. I barely knew him, but I just knew him from the, you know, backstage. Yep. But what he always does in the ring, I don't think he's got that it factor that I don't think you can ever teach somebody, but like he knows, he connects with that crowd in a way that you just want to see him do great in everything that he does in that ring. And then you put him in the ring with a guy like Christopher Daniels. And this is like around the time where all of a sudden Cody Chun was starting to get these opportunities. And I think I got excited to see anybody on a local level still to this day. I, I get this way. I get really pumped when I see somebody that's been grinding and putting in the work. And now all of a sudden they're getting the opportunity to wrestle a name. Like when I saw Titus Alexander getting to wrestle Leo Rush, man, dude, I yeah. have goosebumps. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. What a they're great elevated. Yep. Yeah, dude. Like anytime I see any of my friends or anybody. So Christopher Daniels, I mean, really a legend. Oh yeah. And also the, that weekend he wrestled three matches and this guy's in his fifties or close to it. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how old Christopher Daniels is, but he's yeah, a little he's bit older than me. I think he's in his fifties. And he didn't half-ass any of those matches. Mm -hmm. He went to the hospital one night, I think, when he had his match against Shaft because of a, a cut. Oh, yeah, that was the tournament, yep. That was the, the, he had three matches in that weekend, and all those matches, he... And I remember, I don't know if you were there in the back, but, like, watching him just, like, kind of walk after those matches, you could tell, like, he was struggling. Not in a, like, mm -hmm. uh, like, we need to be concerned kind of way, but, like, in a... He took a lot of bumps this weekend, kind yeah. of a look. You know what I mean? Like, he gave it his all. Yep. So there was something special about this guy who doesn't need to give it his all doing that in the ring for us, 600, 700 people at Washington hall, taking on one of the most loved character and characters, people in defy in the, in, in the roster, quote unquote. And he's, he's working up to Christopher Daniels level. You watch oh, yeah. that match. I truly feel like Christopher Daniels tested him in every way in that ring. And Cody came up every single time. And as that match kept going, it was watch it back. If you haven't, maybe I've, I've hyped it up too much. And you're going to watch it back. And be like, yeah, it's a great match, but I don't understand why you got so worked up about it. But to me, that to me is what defy wrestling is all about. Yeah. And it's giving opportunities to local talent to get bigger than just being quote unquote local talent mm. and putting them in a ring with somebody that can make them better. Yeah. And I truly think that was a night that, Cody Chun became a better wrestler because he was in a ring with a guy like Christopher Daniels. And it was to me, man, there was nothing wrong with that match. Everything about it in the commentary, Rich did an incredible job on the commentary, everything. And, you know, obviously the, the five footage is awesome. It's, it's, it's free on YouTube. Just look it up. Cody Chun taking on Christopher Daniels. It's, it's not even that long of a match. I think it's the like intros were perfect by, oh. you know, I mean, that, <laughs> it set the tone for greatness, of course, <laughs> but that to me, I will. I mean, there's a lot of other great moments. The the Lucha Bros surprising everyone before oh, yeah. taking on the American Guns. Another example of that. Like, holy crap! My buds, these great local talent, getting to wrestle the Lucha Bros. And yeah. that one because of the backstory of Mike and Ethan did not know until like 5 p.m. that they were wrestling the Lucha Bros. Yep, that was epic. It was the whole thing was just insane because nobody knew because. Mm -hmm. At that time, Lucha Bros canceled twice, so no one wanted to believe that they were coming until they were actually in the building. Yeah, uh, and and being in that in, in that ring for when the crowd reacted the way that they did was mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Cody's had a couple other great ones like with Brody King and yep. uh, a, a few other uh, with uh, him and obviously Jake Atlas is one that a lot of people talk about. But to me, the best, my favorite all time Defy match was uh, Daniels versus John. 
Awesome. We'll look it up and, and, and rewatch that one and, and uh, you know, let Steve know what you think. And uh, dude, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. I know you're busy as hell and you got to wake up tomorrow morning and you're not a morning guy as we found out. And I'm battling COVID right now. Oh my God, dude. I mean, look at you, 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 you selfish host. Right. Damn, dude. <laughs> well, rest up, man. And, uh, you know, get your rest. And we, we hope for a, a speedy recovery and, and we'll see you on the 18th. Uh, I won't be there. Uh, that turns out that's going to be the day. Hey, it's my wedding anniversary. So I was already not going to be there, but now we're moving my child's birthday party to that day as well. Oh, so family will always come before wrestling. Um, and as much as they're going to miss what a stack show that's going to be. Uh, gee, please, man. Like I keep seeing all the matches that have been announced. And I'm yep. like, yeah, I'm going to miss a great one. But I feel like when I'm not there, something epic always happens. So maybe <laughs> people should want me not to be there more. Like the time no, I wasn't there. No. I mean, Moxley showed up the time That's I wasn't true. there. The Young Bucks showed up. I mean, it's crazy. John Cena's probably going to show up at this, right? One. Roman Reigns. It's crazy. <laughs> Both of them. The right? Shield are going to reunite at the Fire Wrestling. You heard oh, it yeah, here yeah. first. Yeah. Patreon. Yep. Guaranteed. CM Punk confirmed. Yeah. Is a 0%, 100% guarantee that this will happen. Steve, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it, man. It's good to get good to see you again, man.